It's the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, a show all about church communications and digital ministry. Come hang out with us. everybody how's it going welcome back and megan good to see you as well good to see you seth yeah today i want to jump into something i think is very important for a lot of people right now who are trying to figure out pandemic post-pandemic how do we connect with people online a little bit better and obviously facebook groups is a good option for that you know they're trying to figure out how to have community with people um yeah and and so I wanted to lend some of my experience to this because at my last church that I worked at, I ran 30 or so Facebook groups. Which is wild. That is a exorbitantly high number of Facebook groups. It's so. it's really too many. Um, it's it's <laughs> and, and when I say I ran them, uh, I have to determine, you know, really define what that means. I personally was not in charge of all of them, but I'm facilitated over 30 groups of those groups. I probably physically like physically uh, virtually ran maybe five or six of them myself at the most. Okay. But um, your church had. 30 but we had 30 groups in fact i'll I'll, i took some screenshots uh last night so i can show you how we did this um of of a web page that i made where i listed out all those groups and for us we divided it up into um four categories basically uh those four categories being um campus groups interest groups volunteer groups and like ministry groups. So campus groups are obvious. You have a camp. We had four campuses. So we had a campus group for each campus and the campus pastor or somebody from each campus pretty much ran those groups. Okay. Uh, I have lots of questions, but I'm going to allow you to continue to explain. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into this a little bit more, how this works. So for those groups, campus Mm -hmm. pastors and maybe one other staff member really ran those groups. Um, and then we have interest groups, which were like photography, writing, um, motorcycle riding. Uh, we had a softball group, you know, their softball teams. Um, that's how they would communicate. So we had some interest groups like that that were really run. They could be run by staff. They were mostly run by, um, it was a mix. So depends on what the interest was. Like I ran the writers group and photography group because that's how I found a lot of volunteers to help me with that part oh that's brilliant yeah that is brilliant our two photographer team went to a 15 photographer team in about a month it was great because we're a large church i have to pause and ask this question real fast were those branded your church yeah they were all connected to our facebook page okay like i i made them all that's the thing that's super unique is to have an interest group Yes. That's well, really unique. I don't know if I've seen anyone do that. Well, one of the values of an interest group is it is very outreach focused. It's one of the mm-hmm. outward facing Facebook groups, you know, that you can have. So sure. people can join your motorcycle group that have nothing to do with your church. Right. And it's a great way to just connect online and, and reach out. So those groups Brilliant. were great for that. Brilliant. So brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Honestly, that, two more categories. And honestly, that idea came from Katie Allred when she spoke at uh, that church conference a couple of years ago, she was talking about using Facebook groups as outward facing ministry and evangelism. I was like, what could we do? You know? And yeah. those groups were what we thought. And then I just was like, I need volunteers. So let me start a group and see if I can get some together. You know, surely there's people interested in photography that might be good and just use that to create opportunities. And so it was a little messy, but it worked. 
Um, and then, you know, for volunteer groups, obviously those are for like your student ministry volunteers or for, um, you know, people who are working on your creative team to be in a group. If you've got a lot of them, um, those will be kind of hit or miss depending on how many, but kids ministry volunteers, student ministry volunteers, um, those are typically good places to, to gather your volunteers online because you can do things like videos, training, uh, right. private messages, you know, things like that. You can keep your group together and develop that community where everybody can kind of talk. That's great. And then they can connect with each other. Yes. One of the greatest benefits of joining a team is connecting with other people, yep. especially if you've got a bigger church, makes big church feel small. Mm -hmm. And so being able to do that, like giving yep. me as a volunteer, a place that I can connect with other people on my team. Right. It's great. I might not ask for their phone number because that's kind of weird. When yeah. We're working together yes <laughs> right but that's like an easy next step oh, oh sarah that i volunteered with hi sarah let's mm -hmm. connect on facebook because we served in two-year-olds together that's mm -hmm. fun i love that yeah and I for, want that. for kids ministry here's what's really great is hey i can't be there sunday can anybody cover for me <laughs> and now this now the staff leader doesn't have to do all that they can yeah. see it all happening and you can set up regulations but you don't have to do it all yourself yeah. And it's a lot easier for your people. Like they don't have a roster, you know, of all your people and phone numbers that they can just call. Right. So it's a way for them to put out a call for help if they need it. Um, which I is wonder really if good. that would reduce your no-show rate. Maybe. You know, it, it definitely because could. Sometimes it's just too complicated to get someone to fill it in or you feel too guilty. So you just don't go. Yep. <laughs> it's terrible. And, and I can see like for smaller churches with teams of like, you know, like if you have a youth volunteer team of four. You know, having a Facebook group isn't exactly necessary. You might just do a text stream or something like that. But when you've got multiple teams, like most churches have several kids ministry volunteers. So I would start with that at least. Um, you know, then you've got, you know, tech team and things. And you can do more than just ask for help. I mean, it's like a place to talk about tech stuff. You know, if you're a creative yeah. ministry here, you know, you've got volunteers. stuff that you're learning. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great way to disciple your people online. So there's a lot of options there for Facebook groups. They're great. Um, the last group category we had was ministries. And ministries was like our missions group. So if you liked missions and wanted to go on mission trips or you wanted to know more missions information or see photos from mission trips, then go join that group. And you can do that both ways. You can make it public where, you know, you can share mission efforts or like if you, for us, it was public because our missions pastor would share a bunch of photos and information and stuff from, from the, into the group and kind of had her own like social media wing that she was in charge of. And then I could see that. And I, if I saw something I'm like, man, let's share that. I can just grab it and share it to our church page or whatnot and let people know what was going on. So it was a way for me to kind of, uh, in a way, crowdsource some content that would be, you know, helpful to get our vision, mission stuff out there. And so missions was one, but I could see also why you'd want to make it private. So if you go on a mission trip and you have pictures of kids that are like, you can't put up kid photos, then you can at least post them privately in the group and vet who goes in there and stuff like that. So there's value to that as well. Um, other missions groups, uh, other, other ministry groups would be like um, the parents of students, parent groups, parents of kids which we started as well. So those were, those were really great groups um, to, especially like camp time. When's the bus coming back? You know, we got, everyone thinks so you got to post everything, you know, on 
in on the main page, you know. So yeah. it was really helpful to say, join the parent group and we'll update you about camp in there. And then I, as the communication director, didn't have to worry about Jack. And the student ministry can just update as they want to. And the great that. thing about groups is you don't have to make a bunch of content. You just type in an update and say, hey, we're on our way back. See you guys soon. You know, very easy. Well, and the thing that I love about this, so high level, one thing that the pandemic, pandemic has brought a bunch of amazing gifts to us. Mm -hmm. And one of those is that churches are looking at using Facebook groups. Yep. And I, I mean, Facebook groups have been around for a while now. They've been very valuable for a while now. Mm -hmm. It's just taken us a while to like grasp how that can be used in a church context and for churches to like dig into using it. So I'm really glad that we're talking about this and that we're looking at it because it's super helpful. Yeah. And it's not only is it super helpful for you as a church leader, it's super helpful for your church members. Mm -hmm. I can tell you as a parent of a young child, I was desperate for a Facebook group to connect with other young parents. Absolutely. I, I have no way to connect with another parent in this church unless I join a small group, which is sometimes hit or miss. Mm -hmm. And it's the same people, right? Like I can't reach outside that people or join a team, which as one person, you know, once a month, twice a month or something. Yeah. But if I'm like going to the zoo and I would love to right. invite a stranger. Yeah. I can't do that. You can't do it. It's There's very difficult. No way. I mean, and you said something too, you, you have to join a small group if you want to do that. So one of the things that helped us is when we were casting vision for this is we said, think of our Facebook page as like our services and think of your Facebook groups as like your small groups. Hmm. And so if like, you, that. You like join an online community is kind of how we phrased it is, Ooh, you know, that's a good phrase. join an online community in a Facebook group. And, you know, we didn't have any other tools or options to join digital communities or whatever. So, you know, we didn't have small groups going where they had Zoom, um, any kind of virtual meetups at the time when I was there. Now I'm sure they do. So they could say online communities could mean actual small groups. But uh, what we did is we, we, we included Facebook groups as part of our, quote, online communities that we could join. So it. it's, it's really all about how you, you phrase that. So what I did is I made a web page, uh, for our, our website that was just slash FB groups. And it listed all these groups with their basically just icon kind of, uh, logo image, what the group was, who it was for, and a button that took you straight to the, to the group to join it. Oh, that's genius. So that way I only had to promote one thing. I could say, go to this page and join an online group. Find a Facebook group you can be part of. Find an online community. And that way I just sent them to the web page instead of trying to search all over Facebook. Of course, I also connected all those groups to uh, the Facebook page of our church. So uh, since it was a strategy of ours, then I moved all those that, that little section on the page when you visit our page, which is not a lot of people. You know, it's not a lot of people visiting your page, but the actual page. So, um, but if they did, I wanted to have groups at the top where it was like, here's how to get involved with us so they could see it very clearly because it was important to us. So, um there was a lot of strategy that went into the structure of it, but I'll tell you, campus groups came last. That's something. Oh, really? Yeah. That's really interesting. I would have always imagined that would be the first group that anybody ever creates. Right. And if you don't have any groups, it's fine to, to start that way. But it's, they came last for us because I didn't think I had the help. And so I'll go through like how we launched each of those groups. And I think you'll see why. But I, I, I always looked first for momentum, not just mm. 
strategy. Um, so that's why our interest groups are really the first ones to start. In fact, there were already some out there, like our motorcycle riding group already existed. I, I reached out to the guy who, who ran it and said, can you make me an admin? Let's make this official and I'll connect it to our page and more people will see it. And they're like, absolutely. So I did. Um, when great. we launched our fourth campus, there was already a Facebook group for people who go to our church in that city where we were launching. So I reached out and said, can we have this? And we turned a, a Facebook group in from 180 to almost 1,000 when we launched, um, which I believe was a big part of why we had a successful launch for that campus because they were already starting to get in that group. And, you know, parents were going, let's have, you know, Wednesday night student ministry here in our house. And the church was going, whoa, what? Hold, what's going on? You know? So, like, they were organizing already through that group because uh, yeah. they were just hungry to have church activities out in their area. And so when we launched, we had already seen that momentum. So find the momentum and, and go with that. And I think that's the best way to start a group. That's the best strategy. That's, mm-hmm. I wanna, so I want to hear you talk about the actual running of these groups and like yeah. how you set them up and all of that. But before we dive into that, do you recommend the churches have up to 30 groups? Like, do you think that was a good idea? What is the- I, didn't, I didn't shoot for a number. I mean, we okay. really, you know, we were a bigger church, so we had more stuff going on. Uh, with more people that could run it. I should say that we have probably about as much as most churches had going on, but um, we had more people that could actually run it so we could launch those things. Um, as, as I talk about like how we did it and how I think others should do it, um, then you'll see kind of like how it could grow to that size. Because when I say I ran 30 groups, like I said, I ran two or two to five and, and not super well, you know, not all of them were really well run. Not all, all of them were super successful, um, my writers group kind of fell apart when I got distracted with other things. And, you know, so um, I didn't run them perfectly. Nobody else did either. Um, but it was something I was trying to manage. It is a lot to manage. So if you have good people running the groups, then they kind of run themselves. But if not, then they'll tend to fall apart. So, um, Makes sense. yeah, it, it re- but that's why that's why I was like, I need momentum first. And so um Let's just talk about how I did it, how, how, yeah. we, how, we, how, we, how we launched them. Um, so let's, I, start I found, with, let's start with managing and running them. Yeah. So, who, so how did you decide who was going to lead these and that it was, was it a volunteer? Is it a staff member? Yeah. How did you oversee um, that? What did that look like? Well, the obvious first choice was always me, right? It's always going to be me sure. running it. So I had to decide, do I want to do that? And mm-hmm. if the answer to that was no, I was like, well, is there somebody on staff that can do that? And so if I found someone on staff that I could train that had kind of an idea, they, they have to be tech savvy. They have to understand the platform. Um, they have to they, care about it. They have to care about it. They have to see it for the ministry it can be. And so you have to spend some time casting that vision if they don't already have it. And, right. and usually it has to be a person that it's going to directly benefit. So it's like I can't get my executive pastor to run a group for youth volunteers. You know, it's like that's not going to work unless that, unless that executive pastor is also a youth volunteer. Um, so I looked at staff first and I tried not to have volunteers or, you know, like lay people run the group. Um, and I always say you have to have at least a staff member and someone else in there as admins. So there's checks and balances. Why did you try to not have lay leaders run the group? Well, for me, it was because I had plenty of staff and typically, and I hate to say this, but it's true. People who you pay will tend to be more reliable and responsible than people you don't. And that's, true. that's just always the case. It's not that I don't like volunteers, but it's just the case. But if you don't have a ton of staff to run it, can you still have a volunteer run it? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. But you have to weigh those things out and you have to really spend time with that volunteer. So um, when you're choosing leaders, I would just make sure they understand the medium, that they are kind of a conversational kind of person. They get ministry um, and they understand how to translate that to the, to the to the digital space. And ultimately, I would say they just need to be dedicated to a long term keeping it up mm-hmm. um, because. If they, they understand like if they decide not to do this anymore, they have to talk to you and hand it off to somebody before they can stop. They understand this now, is a ministry of the church. Now, would you ever recommend that somebody, if, if say you have momentum around, we'll just use your motorcycles examples. Would you get that page or that group started as a volunteer? And maybe it's just Bob Smith is running this motorcycle group on his own. And yeah. then if it goes well and it's running well, then incorporate it into your church. Or would you just start it off the church right off the bat? Well, I mean, can it, you do that? What's that? How does that work? I mean, yeah, you can if you're going to be tentative. You know, as you as you start, if you don't really trust Bob Smith or know Bob Smith, you might want to do that to see Does how it goes. Anyone trust Bob Smith? I don't know, man. Bob is weird, weird. So Bob's a weird egg. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it. If you can, you you talk with Bob and say, "Here's what we want to do," and if Bob is really apprehensive or weird about it then I would say either find someone to join him in that group and say, well, we'd like to use this group. We think there's good momentum. Can we add somebody in, you know, to help out with this and, uh, and see how that goes. But I mean, ultimately it's, it's like, are you, are you going to be an official group of our church or not? Right. That's the question. So if you don't want to do these things for the group where you already have momentum, then we're not going to make you an official part of our, our strategy. We're not going to promote you. We're not going to put you on our webpage. We're not going to do anything. It's just you go do your thing. And if that's going poorly, then, you know, you, then you've got other things like, should we try to shut this down? Should we try to get control of this so that we can take it away from this person? That's, that's from some very real questions you have to ask too, that uh, only you can de- determine. So if that's the case, I think if you've got a group out there that's like bad mouthing people in your church or whatnot, you know, um, you need to reach out to those leaders and try to get them to shut it down, like the, the bad mouthing or even the group, I guess. But uh, the best thing you could do is say, let me join your group and, yeah. you know, become the admin. And then that way you've got some control over that. Um, we had a group like that with young adults, not young adults. It was singles. There was a particular singles group that was, I was like, gonna say, those Gen Xers. Yeah. They're the worst. Like a singles group <laughs> that were like, we don't want any oversight. We just want to do our own thing. And they were very yeah. active, very active group. But yeah. we're like, no, that's not how this works. You know, it's yeah. like, I know you started this group, but you represent us. So if you want our stamp of Did approval. Did they have your church name and their group name? Yes. That was like an official it, functioning group. It was group. an official page. Because, because we had a, a ministry that was growing and no no person like on staff who was like technically the singles minister. So right. there was nobody to say like, this is the authority person that you need to hand this to. And so we just had this group growing that were like, we want community. And they understood to that Facebook groups could do that. So they started it. It grew. They used our church name before anybody really knew. And, you know, so it grew into this thing that was a thriving group, but there were some unhealthy practices going on in there that we didn't want really representing our church. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, we had to talk with them to go hold up. And so we got the group and then I had to, you know, really talk through it with some of the leaders. There were like four or five of them that led. And, you know, I was like, well, Hey, here's, here's some things that we need to change about your group. And it was really difficult, but 
Um, finally, we started getting some other staff involved that were kind of putting putting the screws to it a little bit that that helped me out. But it was it was a mess a little bit at first. Okay, well, let's get into that a little bit. So you you pick a person to run mm-hmm. the group. It's either you or a staff person that you that loves it or a really trusted volunteer. Right. How do you train them? Because you said you would train them up on how to run this group. So what is that training process? Yeah. I mean, you have to give them something in writing. I think you need to write down some best practices. So like how often do you, um, how often do you post? Um, What, uh, what, what numbers should you care about? Uh, What types of content are you looking for that they can do easily? Show them how to do it. Um, here's some scheduling tools. Here's a you know, free account for buffer or uh, whatever you, you want to give them. <clears throat> Teach them how a lot to of that stuff inside of Facebook. Yeah. And, and show them how to use the tools, you know, make yeah. a quick video that they can refer to if they forget, you know, um, give them a PDF of here's some, all your step-by-step instructions of how to do it. That's really small, short and easy, you know, like make it as easy as possible to run it. Yeah. Content um, ideas. Things to write about content calendars, you know, here, here's, here's some ideas. Like I would say on Monday, post a scripture on Tuesday, post, you know, an encouraging thought, you know, Wednesday, post a a question, you know, Thursday, post an event announcement, Friday, post something funny, you know, um, and then write that down for them. Here's a, if you don't know what to post, just come to this calendar and, Oh, question, what question could I ask? Mm -hmm. Um, and then later I'd say, give them a ton of that stuff to ask, you know, give them a bunch of questions. But um, the other thing that I need to train on is moderation, like how to moderate comments. Like when yeah. do you need to escalate this to me? When do you need me to inv- get involved? Um, uh, you know, like don't ban people right away. You know, that kind of stuff. We want to talk through that. Here's how to handle difficult comments or negative negativity in the group. Or if somebody's posting about their business, you know, some of those kinds of rules. They just need to be trained on what you expect from this group. Uh, and what you give them the, the authority to do. And then once you do that, you define those expectations, like who has the role, who has the authority, um, you know, how you're to interact with people. You can interact as the church, you know, or you can't, um, things like that. Let people know, because they'll have that little moderator sit and sign out to the side or, you know, whatever it is in the groups they, they do. And it lets people know who runs the group. And then I would, like I said, I would provide them with these content ideas. So what I did for my, my groups is I had this spreadsheet of like all these different groups. And just in that column, I just wrote out a bunch of content ideas, like question about baptism or favorite restaurant, you know, those types of questions you can ask or, you know, post a encouraging scripture. And I just had a ton of that in each column. So one for campus groups, one for interest groups, one for, uh, student ministry groups, parent groups, volunteer groups. And I just sat down and like made this little spreadsheet of, you know, what would I post in that group if I were running it? And I just spent Stuff an hour that they or two. could pull from or, or just spark their own ideas. That's great. Yeah. Just, and, and just ideas, not here's a bunch mm-hmm. of content. Uh, mm-hmm. so I gave them the expectations I gave them some content ideas. Um, you can get my 88 ideas PDF for free on my website on sethnews.com. Um, slash 88 ideas and you can get that and there's a ton of ideas in there. You can just use those. Um, and then I created this, um, I think it's good to give them examples from other places too. Okay. So if I can screenshot some things for them, just a few, like, here's what this looks like. Like it's okay to do this text with the background that Facebook gives you things. So here's a screenshot of that, what that might look like. That's fine. 
Um, or maybe some Canva templates. Canva templates. Yeah. Simple stuff if they're that advanced. Um, give them permission to create, you know, if they're good yeah. like that. They got, according to their level of comfort, give them things. If you've got a Sunday social or a Vive Media stock, I think is what they call it, a subscription, which is a bunch of graphics they do for you. Um, get one of those, 20 bucks a month, and then... You could even go in with the PSD files and change it to your colors or whatnot. And then you just drop those in a Google Drive file every month, uh, like 10 graphics to use this month for, you know, like October was Halloween. November would be Thanksgiving fall stuff and Christmas is coming, you know, so resource them with actual content. Plus, you can give them a ton of ideas. Um, well, this is where having a staff member is actually really helpful because they yes. would have access to all of those things and would know where to get them and how to use them and mm-hmm. and whatnot. But you can easily onboard a volunteer to do that too. It's just going to take a little more time up front to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, if you do a little bit of work up front, like that's for like all groups. So if you have yeah. a missions group, they have all these ideas so they can post for missions. Like it's not just about here's our mission trip, but it's a um, what's your favorite organization to give to, or does anyone know of any places to donate clothes? Um, uh, are there any food drives going on right now that we can be part of? Just activate people for that topic mm-hmm. um, that you can post, and it's like it's not hard to make content for groups like that. Like groups don't require the shiny 4K video that we think that other things do. Right. Right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be super high quality. One of my favorite real quick, while we're talking about onboarding, one of my favorite onboarding tools and even just like continual management tools Mm -hmm. is, well, I use Loom, but there's many different screen recording softwares out there. Um, but using Loom and it just records your screen and you can go through and you have your has your little face on the bottom Mm -hmm. and talk through, Hey, this is how to use this. This is click here, type this. Um, and just post that in there and then you have that through, it's totally scalable because you can send that same Absolutely. video over and over and over on how to do something. Absolutely. Loom is a great tool. There's other ones. You can actually do it with zoom if you wanted to, or, um, yeah, uh, I guess quick time can do it as a screen recorder, but I think those are harder. I think Loom's the easiest one. L O O M. I didn't know quick time did that. That's cool. It does, but it doesn't do the little face in the corner, but it can record your screen. And, and so at okay. least you can do that. Can but you do audio when you're recording your screen? I think, I think so. Uh, I don't really use cool it a lot. About Loom. Yeah, I don't really use it a lot. So I think you can do audio and your screen, but it doesn't put your little face in the corner. Um, but it, it, it can get the trick. It can do get the job done. Get the job done. It can get the trick done. That's what I almost said. <laughs> that's <laughs> not that's, a phrase. That's not the right thing. <laughs> that's not the right thing to say. All right. So once you've resourced them, give them ideas and stuff, I think that you, you help them, you're in the group, you're part of it, you're monitoring it, uh, watch how they do, you know, give them little feedback here and there. Um, you're kind of holding their hand a little bit at first and then until finally you can let go. But, um, I think that you have to have a clear line of communication for them so that you can follow up. Um, Mm the difference between delegation and relegation is important here because you can delegate ownership of this group to somebody, but if you stop checking it in, you've relegated it. It's basically, you're just ignoring it, set it and forget it. You cannot do that with anything with social media. You just, you just can't. So you have to keep coming back to them, check in, see how they're doing and treat them like they're your volunteer team. That's helping you run social media because it's essentially what they're doing. Yeah. So invest in them, value them, talk to them, send them helps, give them tips, send them blog posts that you think were helpful that they might read, you know, to help them understand what you're trying to get them to do um, and, and get better at it. And it will just increase 
all of you know, your, your social media and Facebook groups. Yeah. Cause it's really important. It's a very important part of your social media strategy, mm-hmm. utilizing these Facebook groups while they're still working yep. <laughs> and happening. Yeah. Let's, let's use them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and right now with all the need you have to be online and to have community, it's never, it's not going to replace the face to face, you know, of course, I feel like we have to say that every time, but it is such a help to creating a sense of community online when we are so disconnected. Yeah. Um, so just to hit those, so many, go ahead. I was going to say, I just know so many people who are on Facebook solely because they're in a Facebook group that they love. Yeah. I'm, I'm like that. I really don't care about it other than the groups I'm in. Yep. I can't be honest. It's, it's weird that I'm, I'm working this space, but I'm like, if I didn't, the only thing I'd ever do is be part of the groups. Yeah, uh, for yeah. sure. Agreed. So just a review process to launch is find the momentum where it's going, find a leader you can trust, lay out some expectations, get a commitment from them, resource them, set them up, help them launch. In other words, that means here's the group. I'll help you launch, but also promote it. Tell people about it. If you don't tell people it's there, nobody will join it. Give them a reason to join. Do a contest, something like that, and then check in regularly. Um, so that is my that's my basic, you know, fifty steps in ten steps kind of plan uh, to to launch Facebook groups successfully for digital community in a post pandemic world. So that was that's a tongue twister. That's a mouthful sentence. Yes. But- it's is. good. That's all great. Facebook groups are awesome. Utilize them, take advantage of them, allow your church to connect with each other. It's good. It's real good. It's real it's good. It's real good. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not going to find tools like that on any of the other social media platforms. And, you know, yeah. with your adults right now, a big chunk of them are on Facebook. So um, it's not going to hit, it's not going to scratch all the itches that are there but it will definitely be a big help for building community and connecting your people online in a time where that is really important uh, more than ever, ever has been at least. So, all right, well, that's it for us today. Thanks for listening. Um, Had a great time talking about this. Uh, send, some, send us some messages if you have questions about Facebook groups any further we'd love to help you can find us on Facebook in our Facebook group for Seminary of Hard Knocks or you can hit me up on Instagram at Seth Muse and Megan is at Megan Louise Ransom that's it on Instagram so ask us questions we'd love to help and uh, thanks for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks see you